Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. Lee Lonsberry here. Live Mike. That's what we call the show. This is episode 33. Let's get right to it. I'm not going to waste any time. This segment is dedicated to a look back at last night's State of the State address. I'm going to share with you some of the comments made by the governor in his 11th and final uh, address. One interesting tidbit is it was almost 10 years exactly to the day uh, that the governor delivered his first State of the State address. I was lucky enough to be there. I was on the floor of the Utah House as he delivered his very first address. And then uh, just last night, his 11th and final State of the State address. Let me just start by sharing with you uh, how he opened his remarks last night, thanking the people of Utah. I'd like to express the deep respect and admiration I have for the people of Utah. I'd like to speak directly to them for just a moment. You are a kind-hearted people. You do good wherever you live. It is your hard work that helps bolster our economy. It is your kindness and service that makes us the most charitable state in the nation. You care about your neighbors. You volunteer. It is your hopeful spirit and work ethic that makes Utah the best place in the nation to live, to work, and to raise a family. That's pretty good. The theme of... Governor Herbert's address last night. There are a number of themes, but a lot of it is uh, success. He looks back on the past 10 years. He does a bit of patting himself on the back, and he, d- he also uh, pats the backs of us Utahns. Uh, it says that uh, it's our pioneer spirit. In fact, he told a story early on in his remarks about uh, one such individual. He uh, affixed the, the label of pioneer here in the state of Utah. Listen to that. Utah's always represented a better tomorrow. Our pioneer ancestors journeyed to the Salt Lake Valley in search of a better life and new opportunities. Today, new modern pioneers are still coming here in search of a better life and new opportunities. One such person is Mohammed al-Sadani, a 23-year-old refugee from Iraq who came to America six years ago. After graduation, he signed up for computer programming courses taught at our Refugee Education and Training Center. His hard work paid off. He is now employed by NAV, a tech company in Salt Lake, and he's making a six-figure salary. I might want to apply there myself. Mohammed's success is impressive, but what I find truly remarkable about his story is that he now volunteers at the same refugee education and training center where he once studied. One of the things that I took note of as I listened to and ultimately read through later the transcript of the governor's remarks last night, there are a lot of programs and organizations and individuals I need to learn more about. I It wasn't until just last night that I became well familiar with this Refugee Education and Training Center. Uh, so I made a little note here, and we're going to follow up on this over the next week or so. Uh, I want to talk to someone from that organization and just learn what it is uh, they do. Also, uh, I would like to even speak to this Mohammed al-Sadani, uh, just learn uh, not only because he was mentioned here in the governor's address, but to hear his experience. Uh, imagine what it must be to uh, be a refugee from another country. Uh, here in, in Utah, the truth is we may see uh, many more refugees in the near future. The president, President Trump, not too long ago, uh, issued an executive order saying that, listen, uh, the United States will take refugees, okay? 
Uh, but here's the deal. We need to be sensitive to the needs and desires and dispositions of the various states and municipalities around the country. So as the president, I'm cool with it. But for these refugees to make their way here to the United States, you must also get the sign-off of uh, the governor and then either the county leaders or the municipal leaders in the respective areas. Well, here in Utah, uh, that's been happening. Uh, Governor Herbert uh, put forth a letter saying, hey, yep, yep, uh, listen, municipal leaders, if you here in Utah would like to receive them, uh, the state's borders are open to them. And it was not long after that that we heard that uh, the county commissioners down in Utah County said, yeah, no problem. Also, uh, Mayor Jenny Wilson, she said, yeah, no problem. So we've got some places uh, where refugees can find uh, new homes here in the state of Utah. I think that's a pretty cool thing, and I'd like to get to know. Uh, some of the folks that come take advantage of that opportunity. Taxes. Taxes were the elephant in the room. You know that? So you know the whole song. I'm not going to bore you with a recap of what's happened on the tax frontier in the state of Utah. And so many folks, as they listened last night to the governor, Governor Herbert, delivering his final state of the state address, what is he going to say about taxes? Well, here it is. Above me are the Latin words vox populi. You've seen that before which literally means the voice of the people. The voice of the people is an essential part of representative government and is the reason that the tax bill passed during December's special session will not be implemented. But but tax policy is complex and tax modernization is still needed in order to have sustainable funding for public education, Medicaid, and other critical core government services for our future. I appreciate your efforts on this very difficult difficult issue, but we need to continue this discussion with the people of Utah. I'm, uh, that's it. That's pretty much all he said on the topic of taxes. And I believe, and I'm not going to put words in the governor's mouth, but I think he was holding back. I think uh, he may feel some more frustration than he vocalized uh, last night. I think uh, that if I were the governor, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. I won't, uh, again, put words in the governor's mouth. But if I were the governor, I'd say to all the folks uh, that were speaking so loudly uh, out against uh, these measures, uh, particularly those candidates running for governor uh, for next year. Uh, What's the plan? What's the alternative? Uh, What would you like to see uh, in lieu of what the legislature came up with uh, this year? Now, that's not to diminish or discount any of the the gripes that folks had. That food task, pretty serious deal to a lot of folks. And I don't want to belittle that or undermine, uh, you know, those views. But it was uh, much larger than just the food tax. There were a lot of other issues addressed there. Anyway, I thought he would say more, if I'm honest, uh, but he left it at that. So we'll see what the future holds. We'll see if uh, this year's legislative session uh, has any tax debate or reform involved in it. I don't think that'll be the case. It's kind of the indication we've been getting from leaders that uh, while there is uh, a looming problem on the horizon, uh, the horizon is a good ways off and we've got some time uh, to, to get to it. We don't necessarily need to dedicate our time to it during this legislative session. Housing. You hear from time to time stories about how uh, apartments uh, for rent, the price tag on those going up through the roof here uh, in the area, as well as uh, the price for homes. I think it was just a, a few weeks ago we heard that in the past five years, the median price for a home has increased by $100,000. And as a guy myself renting and looking to buy something maybe later on this summer, uh, that is unfortunate news. Let's see what the governor had to say about housing himself last night in the state of the state. In addition to putting pressure on our transportation system, Utah's continued growth has created a very tight housing market, which is driving up the cost to purchase or to rent. It's time to consider making our land use zoning laws 
and building codes more responsive to our growing population and market needs when it comes to housing affordability. This means we need to reimagine what our communities and houses will look like in the future. So that's that on housing. We're going to see how those uh, policies or those uh, kind of hints at policies uh, get picked up. And we're going to see who steps out as the leader on that issue. I'm personally curious. I got to make some uh, financial and housing decisions on my own here uh, in the near future. So that's going to have impact on me. And I'm sure that's the case for you as well. So you and I together will follow this issue pretty closely. It's going to be important as these legislators work throughout this session. And I think, too, it's important as uh, these issues begin to be debated among uh, the, the those folks who would like to see themselves in the governor's mansion next year tomorrow. As a matter of fact, uh, Silicon Slopes folks have got this big thing going on tomorrow, and the the governor, the candidates for governor, uh, will all get together and debate. So we might get uh, a little bit of an indication on how they're thinking along uh, both the issues of taxes and housing. I'm anxious for that. Uh, let me see. Time is getting tight. I don't want to shortchange the governor. He's got uh, a statement there towards the end where he gets pretty emotional. I want to give you a chance to hear uh, exactly Exactly what he said and how he said it as he was wrapping up his remarks last night, looking back over the past decade. It's been an amazing decade. We've had a great run together. We've seen major challenges, but we've also created solutions and seen unparalleled success. The challenges we face today are not the same challenges that we faced 10 years ago. Ten years ago, on this same occasion, I said that we could find unlimited possibilities of what we could accomplish through creating unprecedented partnerships, the ability to work together in unprecedented ways. Tonight, as I look out at you at the dawn of a new decade, I'm in awe of the infinite possibilities that lie ahead for us, the people of Utah. Time is very tight. That's it for uh, snippets from last night's State of the State. I'll be able to play for you, but I'll tell you that he wrapped up with a call to action calling on Utahns today uh, to work in a way that leaves the field plowed for our descendants uh, to enjoy uh, the growth of good things. Uh, I, I am going to take a few moments when we come back after the break to share with you, just in fairness, uh, the Democrats had a response to what the governor had to say. I'll take just a few moments uh, to share with you the Democrat response that uh, Senator Karen Maine had something to say. Representative Brian King, uh, minority leader in the House. We'll hear from them next up, and then we're going to get into the Second Amendment issue out in Uinta County. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.